Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is the most misunderstood broker dealer in the independent world, a conversation with Bill Williams, Executive Vice President, Ameriprise Franchise Group. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com and on advisorhub.com, as well as Apple Podcasts and other major podcast platforms. And if you're listening to the series on the Apple Podcast app, be sure to leave a star rating and review. It serves as a guide to us, as well as your colleagues in the wealth management industry who may be searching for valuable content to tune into. When people tell me that independent firms are new, I remind them of stories like this. In 1894, John Tappan founded Investor Syndicate, a firm he started with a 1,000 people investing just $5 each. Over the years, the firm made several acquisitions, changed its name to IDS, and was acquired by American Express. Then in 2005, it became an independent, publicly owned company and was rebranded as Ameriprise Financial. Today, some 125 years after its inception, the Ameriprise brand is a stronghold, ranked as one of the top independent broker dealers in the landscape with 2019 revenue of over $4.8 billion. They are the home to more than 10,000 financial advisors. That comes as no surprise as it offers what many consider the right mix of freedom, flexibility, and control, along with top-notch support and service, and the ability to associate as either employees or independent contractors. As we record this in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, what Ameriprise is doing to support its ranks is impressive. They're giving advisors access to turnkey technology, which enables them to connect with clients seamlessly. They're providing access to expert research, which allows clients to better understand and navigate the uncertainty and allows advisors to use as thought leadership in their social media, roundtable audio casts, emails, and videos. Plus, the firm has always been a juggernaut in its national and local advertising, which communicates its unwavering commitment to financial health. Ameriprise's 125-year track record of expertly navigating volatile economic cycles and market conditions gives them a leg up over many of their younger competitors. Few firms, particularly in the independent space, can claim a history and longevity like that of Ameriprise. It's an interesting story for sure. And so I've asked Bill Williams, the executive vice president of the firm's franchise group, to join us on this show and share what Ameriprise does differently that resonates so well with advisors and how the firm has been able to remain relevant for well over a century. Let's jump right into it. Bill, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. I'm glad to be here, Mindy. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure. Let's jump into it. I know you've been with Ameriprise since 1989, which many would call a lifer. 
Would you share a bit about your background prior to being named your title today, which is head of the franchise group? Yeah, sure. And you mentioned 1989. I actually started as an intern for the company in 1988. And then after graduating college with a finance and economics degree, I became a financial advisor right out of the gates. And I spent my first five years building a team practice. Uh, So I was one of those guys that dialed the phone 1,200 times a week. I was determined and I was focused and I built a pretty good book. And then they talked me into moving into leadership and I've held every field leadership position known to man, so to speak. I've been a training manager, district manager, lived in California, Florida, all over. And now I am fortunate, as you mentioned, to lead the independent franchise channel for Ameriprise. And what, are, what is your responsibility as such? Picture everything that goes into running a business. So I'm basically the president of the business model. So all of the advisors, I've got 8,000 advisors. It's about $5 billion in revenue. And I've got teams of people that report to me that manage compensation, that help with technology, that help with service delivery and things like that. And I work with my executive team colleagues to manage those business units. But my primary job, if I just broke it down, is to grow the business. So help more advisors to be with us and help them increase their assets under management and the growth of their business over time. So essentially, you run the independent arm of Ameriprise. And for those unfamiliar, Ameriprise is broken into two distinct groups. So tell us about those groups, the what you refer to as the franchise side or the independent side and the employee side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just to break it down, there's 10,000 advisors at Ameriprise. 2,000 of them in our, are in our warehouse type model. It's a branch system that's run by my colleague, Pat O'Connell. And they look like any other advisor on the street and they get supported through uh, real estate, leadership, marketing and things like that. that. And then we've got the independent side and there's roughly 8,000 advisors on the independent side. Now we have a couple of other elements to our business as well. We have an internal advisor group. There's about 200 advisors that handle clients over the phone and by the internet. And then we just bought an IPI uh, a year ago, and they're an institutions group, so they work mainly with banks and institutions, with financial advisors in the banks. Got it. So how has Ameriprise changed over time? We certainly know it's changed its name. How has the value proposition and the way it appeals to advisors or the work that it does to support advisors changed over time? Yes, that's a good question. When I joined in 1989, It was called IDS Financial Services, and then it became American Express Financial Advisors, and then Ameriprise, when American Express spun us off to be our own publicly traded company about, so in 1995, so roughly about 14 years ago, and since then, it's been an an incredible growth story for us. I think that a lot of people, if you said, tell me about Ameriprise, they say, well, you, you have proprietary product and you hire, uh, you know, novice people and train them to grow their books and you have lower producing advisors. And today that would have been true a decade ago. It's not true today. So we certainly only hire people novice if they're going to join a practice. Our average advisor is pretty high producing in the independent space. Uh, We are no longer just a a prop shop. In fact, we've got 2000 different mutual funds, 400 different SMAs, pretty much any product on the street that any advisor can offer, we have through our system. So I, I, it's, it's one of those things that I'm trying to work on to make sure that people understand in the industry, we're not what we used to be and we've changed a lot. So come check us out. 
But of the 8,000 independent or franchise reps, how many of them are sort of legacy, the novice, as you say, brought up through the ranks that may have a less sophisticated business than some of the newer folks you're focusing on recruiting today? So from a legacy perspective, out of the 8,000, I'd say about 50% to 60% of them grew up at the company. The other 40 to 50% have joined us over the last 10 years to build out their books. So it's really a good mix. The other thing I would say is that our advisors have become in the last decade much more sophisticated. Uh, They've moved up market. The average client assets have tripled in the last decade. The size of the practices or average practice at Ameriprise is around 750. I've got 2,000 practices that do more than a million in production. So it really has changed quite a bit in the last decade, to your point, Mindy. And when you say practices, is that an ensemble or a group of people, a whole team, or is that an individual advisor? It could be all of the above. So I have solo advisors. I have ones that have junior associates and one or two. And I've got some that run very big businesses where there could be 30 or 40 people together. I've got some practices that do nearly 15 to 16 million in production at Ameriprise. And those are more ensembles. But I also have about 40% of my advisors that are more solos with independent staff. So how does a recruit, so someone looking at Ameriprise today, get comfortable with the fact that 50% of the advisor force are legacy advisors and may have come from less, a less sophisticated background? In other words, more of a novice advisor, et cetera. First of all, I would say our retention rate is really high. So if you've got people that grow up here, want to stay here and are really doing a great job for their clients. I think that's a positive to say you've got people that are very loyal to the firm and have grown up under the model of advice, taking care of clients and they're growing and they're running pretty big businesses. There's a positive from the cultural standpoint. And then there's a lot of people who have joined us about half of the 8,000 have joined us from other places. There's also a positive there. So I, I think it's worth uh, taking a look at. So is there a differentiation between sort of the legacy advisors and the 50% that have been recruited into this new world order? I don't see a difference. I see all of them are focused, at least after they come here and they move their book, on a great client experience, on making sure we begin with advice, that we leverage the digital experience, that we leverage our CRM model, uh, and leverage, quite frankly, the, the due diligence and the investment expertise that we've built into this over the last couple of years. So the the client doesn't see a difference. I don't see a difference when I go to all the conferences. Right. So maybe it's a good time to ask, what is the Ameriprise Franchise Group's value proposition and how does it differentiate itself from the countless other scaled independent broker dealers that an advisor might consider? Yeah. I like to say that advisors who are considering Ameriprise or who would choose to be at Ameriprise long-term have to believe in three things. One is client experience. Do they really deeply want to create end-to-end client experience that is valued by the client, by the consumer, and they can leverage it to gain new clients and to grow? So client experience is number one. We invest side-by-side and very heavily in helping an advisor build out the technology, the service model, the advice model that we know our target market wants. The second thing is they want to be part of a growth culture. From the top down, from the CEO to me, directly to the advisor. We're trying to figure out every way possible to help an advisor grow. And we've proven it in our numbers. Our advisors grow faster in our model than any other independent firm out there. And I can prove that. 
And the last thing is that they choose to be part of a culture that really cares. We're not owned by a, a big conglomerate bank or an international insurance company. The only thing that we do is we help advisors help clients. That's our focus every day from the CEO down. And so if they want to be part of a culture that cares, a growth culture, and one that cares about the client side by side with them, then Ameriprise is a really good place to look. So let me unpack a couple things you just said. First of all, you mentioned the target client. What is the target client? Yeah, so we do a lot of research into the consumer out there, and we're asking ourselves, where is the money in the United States, and how should an advisor be positioning themselves to win, to gain more net flows? And who is that mindset out there and so forth? So we look at the 100,000 to 500,000, the 500,000 to 5 million, and the 5 million and above. And we do quite a bit of investment to understand what's the psychology of clients at those various asset levels. And what are they actually looking for from a retail financial advisor? And so what we have determined is that the biggest growth opportunity for retail financial advisors is that client who has 500,000 to 5 million who has what we call a responsible mindset. They care about setting goals. They would value advice. And that actually happens to be the group that's saving the most money and has the most money to invest with an advisor. And they're willing to pay a separate fee to an advisor for what they do. And so we try to position our advertising, the message around the value of a financial advisor, our online messaging. Everything is geared around positioning the advisor to win with that five to five market, that 500,000 to 5 million responsible mindset. And we're helping educate each one of our franchisees on how to go get them and how to position themselves in their local market to attract more of them. And so you mentioned advertising, and I imagine that's one of the selling points for a recruit thinking about Ameriprise for a prospect. Tell us about that. How does that advertising help an advisor who is, has just joined Ameriprise or has been a longstanding practice under its umbrella? Yeah, it's sort of a good thing to talk about because we spend a lot of money trying to get the Ameriprise brand right. And we don't really advertise the products of the company or the company beyond the advisor experience. Every one of our ads is really talking about what a great experience a client will get when they do business with one of our financial advisors. And we're trying to create this halo effect. Listen, I was an advisor. I know that if client doesn't pick up a phone or a prospect doesn't pick up the phone after watching an ad on television and say, hey, Bill, I'd like to do business with you. That does not happen. There's everybody out there is advertising in this space. But what, what happens is if they recognize the name and they believe it's a strong place and they believe that there's good values and trust there, as the advisor does marketing locally, which we help them do, and they're talking to new clients and they say, well, Ameriprise backs me up and here's my brand locally they're more likely to gain a client. And that shows up in our numbers. Our advisors gain more net flows and more new clients than other advisors at non-branded independent firms. And so we try to create a halo effect for the work that an advisor does. It's an interesting comment, you know, that all brokerage firms advertise. I don't actually think that that's true. I think that Many of the brokerage firms, especially independent firms, certainly don't do the television or the radio advertising that Ameriprise does. And I have to imagine that even though you're right, a prospective client isn't picking up the phone because they heard Bob's name or saw it in print, but it is name recognition. And I imagine the advertising drives that a lot. Absolutely. Brand and name recognition does matter in a lot of fronts, whether it's buying a piece of jewelry in Tiffany's or it's, you know, which hotel you stay at. And so we're trying to drive brand recognition. And my comment was more 
if you're a consumer and you turn on the television, Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, they're all advertising and they don't really know the difference. But if they knew Ameriprise was in the mix and it was strong and had great advisors they could trust, it just gives a halo effect to the energy that the advisor is putting in locally to market. Right. And you mentioned earlier that you've got tangible proof that advisors under the Ameriprise umbrella grow faster. I'd love it if you'd share. So how come? Why? What drives that? Because growth would be the ability to grow more efficiently, more unencumbered is the number one driver for movement. So why is it that Ameriprise advisors are driving or growing faster? Yeah. There's never a silver bullet in this space, right? If you're running a practice, which I did for several years, you've got to look at a number of factors. You look at what is your service model with clients and is it valued by the client and how often are you seeing them as an efficient to um, build a service model for them? How are you attracting new clients? What's your brand in the marketplace? Are you getting referrals? Are you leveraging centers of influence? How are you leveraging social media? And then how are you delivering financial advice? And is it turnkey? Are you charging for it? We work with our advisors to make sure the revenue stream from the advice that they give. And then how do you then take advice and implement the right products and services for the client? But there's another bucket too that I think is a key differentiator is human capital matters a lot. So how are you building your team, leading your team, developing your team to gain scale over time? If a $500,000 producer sits down with me, Mindy, and says, I want to be a million-dollar producer, My first question is, what's your human capital strategy? How are you hiring people underneath you to build out a service model, an acquisition strategy, an advice strategy to grow? So Ameriprise has turnkeyed all of that. We've turnkeyed the service model. We've turnkeyed how to market. We've turned Now, the advisor gets to choose what they engage in. Every advisor is independent. They can choose not to engage in any of that stuff. But on average, many of my advisors, about 70% participate in coaching programs along those lines based on what they want to do on their business plan. And through that, I've been able to prove I can help them grow faster. No, it's built into the model. So while there is some coaching that they could choose to pay for, we have franchise consultants, for example, in our system, and they do charge a fee to do some coaching. And those are generally top advisors that hang out a shingle and say, I'm really good at helping people run a practice I'd come in and do some coaching for you, but you don't pay for the people on my staff or the systems that I've created or the internal coaches that I've built out either. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about recruiting. So who is, you know, you talk about how your advisor force is sort of bifurcated between the legacy folks and the newer folks. What does the target advisor look like that you're going after today? Yeah, it's actually fairly broad. So if if somebody's producing on the lower end of things, and in my book, that's call it 200,000 to about 700,000, they may want to join one of our bigger ensemble teams and come in with their book and be part of something where they can gain scale and consistency and efficiencies for growth. And so that may be joining as an associate advisor, maybe joining as a team member. You get above 700 and you may want to own your own franchise and then hire others to help you grow or just run your own franchise yourself. The target audience for me is somebody typically for for a franchise side doing about a million to about 2 million and consistently is focused on growth, consistently focused on a client experience and wants to partner with a firm that's investing in the systems for growth. 
And how many of those folks are enterprise builders, meaning not just interested in being independent to run their own practice, but really looking to build a business, to build an enterprise, to recruit other advisors to it, to do M&A, to perhaps open another markets, to be more of an ensemble? Yeah. Out of fairness, I would say a third to 40% of my hires from outside come in to build their own franchise model where they're going to hire others to it. They're going to brand themselves. They're going to develop systems that I teach them how to do. And they're going to bring, and we're going to help them recruit to them as part of our hub strategy. And then two thirds to 60% are joining somebody else's team as they come in. Got it. So what are those advisors, those recruits looking to solve for? And what I mean by that is, is that at least with the advisors we talk with that range in size from 200,000 to 20 million in revenue, not everybody is certain out of the gate that they want to go independent. So they may be talking to Ameriprise as part of an overall due diligence process. They're looking at other independent broker dealers. They may be looking at the RIA space. They may even be looking at other wirehouses, other regional firms, other quasi-independent models, et cetera. So what do you find the ones where you win? What are they most looking to solve for? Yeah, I think there's a few things that people are looking for. One is You've got the younger advisor who still sees a long runway to success and they want a business partner that's going to help them turnkey marketing and turnkey revenue streams and help them hire the staff to grow. And so that's sort of the up and coming entrepreneur. And they know that we've got the systems, the training, the support, the leadership to get that done. I also find advisors who have been independent for a while have consistently been told by their independent broker dealer, listen, we've got these systems for you, or you can hire so-and-so as a coach, or you can figure it out or use this technology. And they realize they need a little bit more structure and systems to really make the leap in terms of growth. Still others who are more mature, they want a buyout strategy. So they're trying to figure out how do I really realize the equity in my book? And listen, our advisors sell their book for about three to four times gross revenue when it's time to retire. Sometimes they want to sell to their junior partners and they need funding for those junior partners to buy them out. Ameriprise provides that funding. Some of them want another advisor to buy them out. And so before they come over to Ameriprise, I find them another franchisee that will buy them out. And then they move their book, they get back and running and we sign a succession agreement. If you're at the wirehouse and you're saying to yourself, the system is changing on me, I'm trying to hire more staff. And for whatever reason, the economics don't allow me to hire more staff or my son or daughter want to join me in this and there's restrictions on that in my model. We can, in the independent channel, free you up and give you the flexibility. So if I'm paying you out at 90% and the wirehouse was going to pay you 50, let's figure out how to use that 40% difference productively to hire staff or build out the model that you want to build out and the equity ownership is yours and who you want to hire is your choice. And so there's not an easy answer to say everybody comes to me for one reason. They come to me for succession, for growth, for trying to build out a different model, for trying to get away from maybe the controls that are in a, in a wirehouse model. There's a lot of reasons why they'd have a conversation with me. Yeah, and sometimes it's all of the above. And I yeah, think that that's, right. that's the exact right answer. We find the same. There are as many reasons to move as there are advisors exploring their options. And it shouldn't be one size fits all. So that makes sense. But maybe let's make it a little more tangible. Can you talk with us? I mean, Ameriprise has had some really great success in recruiting in the last couple of years. So I'd love for you to unpack for us a little, first of all, 
why that is, what's changed in the last couple of years. Is it more driven by market forces elsewhere, meaning more frustration within the traditional space that's just driving people more toward independence? Or is it something that Ameriprise is doing differently? And then secondly, maybe you can talk about some of the wins you've had recently that'll sort of make this, give this more color. Yeah. So, I mean, one of my best friends out there, right, is mergers and acquisitions. So as companies change, if, as brokerage houses merge, that creates unrest and people want to check out what might be out there. As companies get faced with economic pressures or with the changing regulatory environment, as they change their policies, as they change their, their financial commitment with their advisors, their comp plan or how they're supporting advisors, advisors can get frustrated. In my mind, advisor is, is king and queen. So they own the book, they own the relationship. And whenever a firm does something that sort of disrupts that, advisors tend to look around. And a number of firms over the last decade have disrupted the advisor relationship in one form or another. It gives me an opportunity to tell my story when people are in a position where they're not happy. So the reason that I think we're, we've been really successful is we don't think about it. And I tell my leadership team and my recruiters, This is not about selling somebody on Ameriprise. This is about getting to know somebody in their heart and in their head at a real personal level. These people, these advisors have spent their life building a book from scratch. It is their lifeblood is what they think about day and night. It is their retirement plan. You need to understand what it is that they love about the business, what they love about their current broker dealer, what they hate about it. If they could wave a magic wand and change for the future, what would it look like? Understand them at their core. And then let's figure out, okay, what kind of book do they run and are they a good fit for Ameriprise? And what other options are out there? And try to coach them through the process of making a good decision with their book. Because if they get it wrong, it's a really bad situation for them and their clients. And so make sure they're coming to, if they're going to come to Ameriprise, because the clients can be better off, they're going to be better off, their families are going to be better off. We take a long time to walk them through that process. We do due diligence. We do many meetings. We want to make sure it's right. I want to look my advisors in the eye five years from now and have them look at me and go, I made the best decision coming to you. And so we'll interview 6,000 people this year to hire about 250 in my channel to make sure that we really are a good fit for them based on their values and what they're trying to do. And how much of an advisor's decision do you think ultimately comes down to a connection they feel to the person on the, uh, the other side of the table, whether it be your field leader in Ameriprise or connecting to you, and how much of it is driven by we just love Ameriprise? I think connection is almost everything. If they don't feel appreciated, loved, respected by the local leaders that they get to know, they're, they're going to be living with them ongoing. Our value proposition is that we're really good at doing business planning with you, coaching, helping you build a better model. If they don't trust that from day one, if they don't think they're going to be in a great environment, a culture of caring, then they're not going to come. And so this comes down to my local team really building a great relationship with them. I'm going to get the economics close to right, and those will always play out over time. But money is just money. But relationship and growth is everything. And that's what we're focused. I couldn't agree with you more. So if you would, can you share a couple of your most recent wins with us that will sort of define who you're looking at these days? Yeah, so we, we hired a gentleman and his team down in Florida about a year ago, a man named Dale Siebert. 
And he'd been in the independent space. He'd been in the wirehouse world. And he'd been around. He'd, he'd built a book that was doing well over $3 million. And he interviewed everybody on the street and looked at many, many firms. And, you know, he's a very detailed financial advisor who cares a lot about his clients. He's down in the villages outside of Orlando. He's got a, a great team that he's built. And he's very, very particular about the kind of business that he wants to run. And he was skeptical. And as we told him that we're going to do business planning with him, we're going to assign the right resources to help him grow. You know, he'd kick the tires and he looked at us for a long time. But he's come in. He's had tremendous growth. He's one of our spokespeople now telling the story to others who are considering Ameriprise. Because quite frankly, we weren't on his list originally. And because he met some of my local leadership, Brian Mora and Sabrina down there, now he's a fan and he's been part of the team and he's growing. Um, another group, uh, you know, Cornerstone Financial uh, Strategies out in Tacoma, Washington, was with LPL for a long time. They met with my team out there. They're wanting to partner for growth and find other advisors that continue to build out their team. We've been successful at partnering with them on it. And listen, changing firms is never easy, but they're feeling like they've got a model here that's sustainable. I'll talk about Jill Williams. Uh, she was at uh, MetLife, moved to Mass Mutual, and then came over to us right here in New Jersey. She's significantly grown. She's up 50% in her productivity since joining us. And she's going to be a speaker at our women's event coming up next month. And it's just because we take the time with my leadership team to understand what her goals are, what she's trying to achieve, how she wants to do it. And then we assign the right support to get it done. So going back to Dale for a second, you know, how much of Dale's, you just using him as an example, you mentioned that Ameriprise wasn't even on his list of firms to explore. And then ultimately he joined and he's a raving fan, which is extraordinary. But I guess I'm wondering how much of Dale's reluctance to consider Ameriprise out of the gate, which is quite honestly something we hear a lot, yep. was rooted in the, the perception that Ameriprise is great for the lower producing advisor, but not for somebody who serves a high net worth client base and not for somebody who's a sophisticated multi-million dollar producer. Yeah, I think that's my biggest challenge, Mindy, is I need to get the word out it's one of the reasons I wanted to come talk to you today was to really get the word out. We're not what we used to be. And that was what was holding Dale back. He, he put Ameriprise in a particular box that, quite frankly, he learned sh we shouldn't have been in. And our, we've gone in the last 10 years significantly up market to that 500,000 to 5 million space and even higher. Um, then, as I mentioned, we've got 2,000 advisors doing more than a million in production. And we're, we've got people like Dale coming in every day who do $2 million, $3 million in production and part of their team, and they're looking to double in the next five years. So I think if you talk to anybody who's joined us um, recently, they would say, my perception changed after I got to know them. And Dale, I know, came from the traditional brokerage space at one point, but before he joined Ameriprise, he was already independent, correct? Yes, yes. So he was changing broker-dealers? Correct. Changing, and what was the motivation? I'm just, I'm not picking on Dale, but using him as an example. What was the motivation to go from one broker-dealer to another? I don't want to get too far out of school here, but my understanding, we talk more about the future than the past, but I think he felt like the promises he was made as he joined some other firms weren't fully fulfilled. And you have to deliver. When you tell an advisor you're going to deliver coaching, you're going to deliver um, support for hiring people, you're going to be there to help train the team. you got to be there to do the things you said you're going to do. And I think he was disillusioned at some of the other places that he was at. 
Got it. You know, I imagine it is a slog to change perception. Perception changes slowly. And I imagine that's a tough sell. Probably the biggest and best way I know to change perception is to demonstrate it, to continue to recruit, to get wins like that, that make you say he was a skeptic and he joined and here's what he's done. And I'm just using him as an example. Yeah, I'd love to have him come on your show. Can you interview him? Well, we'll talk about that. That sounds interesting. Sounds good. Okay. So let me ask you a question. In this expanded landscape, meaning a landscape, an industry landscape that has a much greater waterfall of possibilities and an ecosystem that has expanded exponentially to support the breakaway advisor, the advisor leaving the traditional brokerage space and going independent. But in this world, the model of supported independence, meaning independent but not alone, is one that has really probably the most popular and growing the fastest. So what does Ameriprise's model of supported independence look like and how does it differ from others in the same category? Yeah. So the first thing is that nearly 91% of all of our advisors do an annual business planning with me. I've spent tens of millions of dollars building out a turnkey integrated way to gather all their practice information into a business plan format that helps them figure out how to drive net flows and what are the ins and what are the outs and then how do they set goals. And by the way, every time they turn on their computer after they set those goals in the morning, it pops up with their progress. So they can see from their goals to their key activities, how they're doing on their key metrics with their team, either as individuals or as a team roll up. I then from that business plan, and their local leadership, we figure out what's the most movable statistic. Is it financial planning? Is it a deeper product? Is it uh, more client acquisition? Is it a merger or acquisition? What's the one thing that's going to most move your business? And then I have an expert in the field that will help them move that metric. And they're bonused on helping that advisor move that metric. So business plan to the coaching relationship to the follow-up and the tracking. Sounds kind of familiar, right? Sounds like if you're working with a financial advisor, a good financial advisor as a client will do a, you know, a financial plan on you. They'll meet a couple of times a year. They'll help implement products. They'll rerun the numbers to make sure you've got a greater probability of success. And the advisor's there through thick and thin to help you make changes in your life, either budgeting or better savings habits or better choices for your taxes. We're doing all that with each of our advisors. 91% of them complete a business plan And over 70% of those people then get coaching from us to move. And it's all built into the model. And when all that comes together, you get growth. That's fabulous. And that speaks to growth of an advisor's individual practice. How about support for running a business? Like if somebody wants to offload the middle office and back office work that goes into being a business owner. Yeah, we have a number of different ways for somebody to do that. In fact, if I went back into practice, which I will someday, I keep telling all my advisors, I'm going to become an advisor again because I loved that role. I love meeting with clients and maybe one of my four daughters would join me one day in the practice, but I would hire out my middle office. I would find a way on all the prep for all the meetings, all of the reprojections for insurance, all of the asset allocation models. If I could offload that to somebody else so that my team was focused on client service, client meetings, client acquisition, a great experience, then that can be a win. Listen, there are big teams that want all that controlled and they build it all for themselves and we help them figure out how to do that. But if a practitioner wants to offload it to your question, 
We have a team in our home office that people can hire on a fixed fee to do all their financial plans. They can do all of the prep work for all all the service meetings. They can do all of the data entry for any of the meetings coming up. They can hire us to do the back office for a fixed fee, either on a fixed fee on an ongoing basis or on a per account basis. Now, there's also consultants that have built their own models to sell that service as well. So key management group is one that I just quickly pops to mind, Tony Whitbeck in, in Michigan, he built out a team of basically pair planners and associates that are the back office for 200 to 300 people across the United States that pay him a fee to do all the back office for them. Those are just a few examples, but I've got a lot of options for people to offload the middle office and it can be very cost effective depending on who you are. Yeah, and I think much of the industry would agree with you that unless you have a great love for doing the middle office and back office work, it is much better to focus on your core competencies and do the things you love and offload in some way the rest. And I think the message is that as the industry landscape has matured, there is no shortage of ways to offload it, whether it be internally or externally. And technology has enabled that, right? You can securely send the data for your client without a breach to somebody who's not in your state, not in your office. They can do the work. They can send it back securely. I mean, we've, we've come so far with technology. No doubt. So let me pivot for a second to Ameriprise as compared to the rest of the industry. So I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the two biggest competitors would be other independent broker dealers and the RAA hybrid space. So we talked a little bit about how Ameriprise differentiates itself from other independent broker dealers, though I certainly would welcome more. But I'd love to focus for a minute on the hybrid RIA space, where instead of the broker-dealer being the core of an advisor's business, he, he or she uses a custodian, Pershing Fidelity, Schwab, or the like, and then uses what we call a friendly broker-dealer to run the accommodative commission-based business. And I imagine that, at least with the advisors we talk to, that is big competition for the independent broker-dealer space. So do you find the same? And what would you say to an advisor that was looking at both. Yeah. Listen, advisors are really smart and they work with people like you to look at all of their options, right? There are certainly many wirehouses out there that's, that are, are good places to be. There's many independents, there's the hybrid, there's the full RIA options. And I would say, listen, I know how difficult it is to run a business firsthand. I run a large business today and I ran a practice uh, before. When you start to break down who are the winners or the losers over time in financial services, who really starts to gain scale? It's those who have figured out how to turnkey the client experience, how to build a consistent client experience, how to hire staff and keep staff, how to build out a way to get revenue from your advice. All of those things need to be systematized and so forth. Listen, if you can figure all that out on your own and you can get better economics for it, maybe a hybrid works for you. But if you want a partner that's going to work with you, because our advisors are actually duly registered. So they are registered both on the side where they can charge financial planning fees, they can get the wrap fees. And yes, we take a small cut of that, but that also allows us to do the back office compliance, to spend on the technology, to turnkey all of those pieces. But most of the people who are looking at us, to your point, they're going to compare us side by side against a hybrid, against a full independent like LPL or, or Satera. And then they're going to take a look at us and they're going to say, okay, what are the pros and cons here? 
And what they'll typically find with us is we've got the leadership on the ground, we've got the systems that are turnkey, and we've got the client experience front and center. And so they're deciding, is that really something that they could either 100% do themselves and take on the risk and the time, or do they want to make it easier on them by coming to a model like ours? What are there or are there any limitations that an advisor would have placed upon him or her under a broker-dealer umbrella as opposed to the flip of it being an RIA hybrid? Yeah, I am sure there are some differences in sort of the reporting and things like that. We know in our, we're in a highly regulated environment, right? And so if they're going straight to the SEC, but that's changing too, right? Under BI and under the investments that the SEC is making, I know they're staffing up to do much more audits and their expectations of a consolidated audit trail, even for RIAs, is changing. So what was probably is not what's going to be. And I've made it really easy for somebody to be compliant. The other thing at Ameriprise is if anybody gets questioned by a regulator, I pay for their defense and their legal team. I bring the right legal people together. I had one of my top advisors call me over the weekend, and he said, I just received a letter on Friday that, the, that FINRA is questioning some of my wholesaler reimbursements, and they're coming in and do an audit. And I had over the weekend one of my attorneys call and help represent him and get ready for the questioning the next week. That doesn't exist in a lot of spaces. And so what we're trying to do is be a partner and to solve their problems and protect them going forward. Do you think that a business under a broker-dealer umbrella, independent broker-dealer, that there would be any impact on overall enterprise value at the end of the day? So in your model, if an advisor is associated with Ameriprise and then wants to sell the business at the end of the day, the options for buyers would be under the Ameriprise umbrella, as opposed to someone who's an RIA hybrid that could sell the business on the open market and have greater competition for it. So do you think that there is an ultimate impact on the overall enterprise value because there's less competition for the business? And that's something that I wanted to check for myself. I worked with an outside company called Succession Resource Group, David Grau Jr., helps run that business. And I've asked him every couple of years to run the side-by-side of the practices that sell inside Ameriprise, what multiples we get inside Ameriprise, to RIAs, to hybrids, and to all the other independents that he knows about. And every time we find a 15 to 20% premium for Ameriprise practices inside Ameriprise. And what he discovered is a couple of interesting things, Mindy. One is that we actually have so many bidders because we have a very efficient system. So we have a multiple listing service inside Ameriprise that if you want many people in your area or across the country to know you're selling your practice, we have a way to get that word out there. So we tend to, if I listed my practice today and I said next Friday I want my bids, my guess would be you'd probably have 20 to 25 buyers bidding on your practice within a week on average across the nation. Now, if you're in a more populous city like New York or New Jersey, you probably have 40 bids on your practice. The other thing is Ameriprise provides the liquidity. So we'll provide the lending or we've partnered with five other banks to provide the lending so that liquidity is there. The other thing is that I push a button and it instantly transfers. So if it's in my hands on Friday, it'll be in your hands Saturday morning and there's no lag time in you getting it. There's one other piece they discovered in that um, at Ameriprise, when you're looking at a practice, I can give you every stitch of information on that practice provided the seller is willing to release it. 
your client satisfaction scores, where every stitch of revenue is, where all the assets are, and you can calculate where your opportunities are before you bid on it. So there's transparency, transferability, liquidity, and a system where there's multiple bidders. We're able to get a 20% premium on it. Our practices sell for over three times gross revenue consistently, and I've seen one sell for five times gross revenue. And what was the drivers of that? Good question. That particular advisor had slimmed down her practice to about 120 high net worth clients. She had also made a list of every single asset held outside the company and had it in what we call our total view system so that electronically the buyer could see all the assets held at every bank, every 401k, every bond, every brokerage house outside of her control. And she had a date next to it as to when the client had agreed to move it. And so you weren't just buying the current asset, you were buying all the future agreed to future stream of income. And all the clients were on comprehensive planning and all the clients were digitally engaged. And so it was a very turnkey operation with low staff ratio. So you had low staff ratio, high net flows, and high predictable net flows in the future. And she got five times gross. Yeah, well, first of all, that's a good primer for anybody listening on what are the drivers of driving enterprise value. There you go. This is audio, not visual, but I think you might have seen my look of surprise on my face when you mentioned that it is the Ameriprise model where the sellers are getting a multiple, a premium over the RIA hybrid space. That surprises me, but it makes sense what you're saying. So thank you for sharing that. One thing, if I could add, the one piece I left out of that equation is that in our franchise model, one of the things when I moved from being an independent advisor to being an executive of this channel is I saw people spend their whole life building a book. And then if they became disabled, they died or something, their spouses, their family, their loved ones didn't always get the equity that they deserved at other firms and in typical sales systems. And I vowed that when I took this role, I would put in place protections for the family. And so as part of our franchise agreement, we guarantee at Ameriprise that if you die, you become disabled, we'll make sure your family gets the full equity that they deserve. And if you want to turn to me and have me as your only buyer, I've got a set formula that sets the floor price for all practices at a very, very fair number. So all advisors who are going to bid on your independent practice know what my number is and will always be above it. Mm. Or if something does happen suddenly, which unfortunately across 10,000 advisors, we have four or five situations a year where somebody dies without a succession strategy, we step in and make sure that family is taken care of. That's unusual. Yeah, I would agree with you. It is. Um, The other thing that's unusual about Ameriprise is the whole notion of the franchise. So, How is that an advantage or disadvantage for an advisor considering the firm? You know, it's funny. We created the franchise system in 1999, and we sort of backed into it, honestly. It wasn't sort of this big strategic move that we were saying, oh, this would be a competitive advantage. As we were setting up the two channels, so we set up this channel where people would stay a lifetime or they could stay as long as they wanted to be in the branch model, and then we created the separate channel called franchise today, but independent model, we were exploring what we needed to call it legally and how we needed to contract with advisors. Because we have a brand that's known and advertised, because we have a set way of um, offering products and services through our broker dealer, and because we have expectations that protect the brand, like compliance expectations or how you hold yourself out to the public to protect other advisors in the system, 
our lawyers basically said, you're going to need to call this a franchise. You're going to need to offer this as a franchise. And we said, well, what's that all about? And we sort of worked our way into that. What we discovered over time is that it's actually a benefit for many advisors. For example, I can't change product economics or compensation without making sure all the franchisees and all the advisors know this well in advance. So I have to give full and fair disclosure of any major change, whether it's a compliance policy, whether it's a, a, you know, a different way of operating, a different cost structure, a different compensation model. It also guarantees that, as I mentioned before, I can put in the clauses of that franchise agreement how I'll treat them should something happen to them from death and disability. That's in there, and it's guaranteed by franchise law. Another one is that many of our advisors spend their life building up their equity and hope to retire someday. It protects down the street from somebody else who owns a franchise from doing certain things that may denigrate their brand. I'm going to bet right here in New Jersey, within 50 miles of you, there's probably four or five, could be 10 Ameriprise practices. They have a reflection on each other on how they operate and how they brand themselves. And so we try to help uphold a standard of excellence, and we can do that through a franchise agreement. And what's the downside? to the franchise arrangement for the advisor. I think because there are some expectations of branding, we do take a look at what brand name you're using. You can co-brand with us. You can create your own name, but we want to make sure the words are ones that the public is going to feel good about and isn't going to send the wrong signal. And so we do partner with you on your branding and have you cleared it and things like that to make sure that it's a co-brand that both of us are going to feel good about 10 years from now. So there's some branding differences. I would also say that there are some expectations of how your office is presented. Um, I once had somebody try to set up an office in a gas station, and that really doesn't sort of fit with our model. And if I was around the corner and I'd spent a lot of money building out an Ameriprise business, I wouldn't want it in a gas station. And so we had to talk to that advisor about the best image to create, and we helped that person move to a better space. So we tend to partner a lot with our advisors and help them see the wisdom of their choices. There's not a lot of have-tos, but mainly around branding a client experience, there are a few. I want to pivot a little to the future, if we could. So what do you see as the next big thing for Ameriprise? What's on the docket? What's deep in the lab? What comes next? I have to go back a little to kind of tell you what's next. We spent the last 18 months really investing in what we call the client experience. Whether you call it the Ameriprise client experience, I want the advisors to call it their client experience. So if I was back in practice, I'd call it Bill Williams and Associates client experience. But we've discovered through our research, I mentioned before, we do a lot of research into what we call the five to five market. We discovered that they're looking for four distinct things from each advisor if they're going to pay a premium. And they know this target market knows that it's cheaper to do business at Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity if they just go directly there. And so they're saying, if I'm going to pay a premium, I want four distinct things. I want my advisor to know my goals and have it very personally tracked and have all service meetings really lead with my goals, that all products and services sort of line up with helping me achieve my goals, and that you use a very robust and understandable asset allocation process that's rebalanced on a regular basis, and I can understand your selections. You don't just wrap a bunch of ETFs and call it a day. There's more to the product selection that these people are expecting. 
The other thing they're expecting is more of a digital experience. I should be able to log on at one in the morning and see all my holdings with my advisor and everything held away and exactly how I'm doing on each of my goals. I shouldn't have to email and say, hey, how am I doing, Mindy, on my goals? It should be right there, right on my screen at one in the morning. And the last thing is that these clients want to be serviced. They want to have a great experience. They want you to reach out four times a year and say, is anything going on? And by the way, I've got a new idea for you that I thought of. And it could be your team that's reaching out. It could be you. And they want at least a couple of face-to-face meetings. And by the way, if they call your office, they want to call back the same day. Now, if not in 24 hours, and you don't just have to call back with the answer, but you have to call back and say, I got your message built. So you asked a very simple question. I've taken a long time to answer it, but we've invested heavily in the technology to make each of those things come true. So every one of our clients can now log in and see every one of their goals online. They can see every account held at Ameriprise in a way. They know their advisor cares about them. And we built a system around Salesforce that allows them to figure out the contact model. So I've spent the last 12 months trying to roll out what this is, what the technology is behind it, and to try to make it seamless and paperless for the office to do it. And my advisors are telling me the ones who are adopting it are loving it. But more importantly, the numbers are telling me that we're getting better net flows. We're getting new client acquisition. We're keeping clients longer and happier. And so we're starting to get good momentum here. But I had to, I I couldn't create those as separate pieces. It needed to be end to end at the practice level and turnkey. And that's what we've done. Yeah. And I think that there's no question that for any firm, bettering the digital experience has to be part of what yes. of their plans to make themselves more relevant or they'll lose every time. Yes. At, at the practice level, I mean, there's so many pieces of software out there that I can put on my laptop, my desktop, my tablet for, you know, managing my practice, managing client base, managing assets. But if you can't log in once and click a client name and populate everything seamlessly, then it's not worth it. And so what we've invested in is fully integrated technology where the advisor logs in once in the morning and then they click a client name and everything's populated and they don't have to touch paper if they don't want to. And they can do it from an island in Fiji if they wanted to on vacation and be fully connected to their team. Yeah. Okay. One last question. And this has been fascinating and I thank you. What I know you wear a lot of hats and you talk about how you've got sort of two main goals to be in charge of recruiting, continue to bring in top talent, and at the same time drive growth amongst existing advisors. That's a big role. So how do you spend most of your time? (laughs) Well, I run marathons. And so I get up in the morning around five, I hit the gym, although I'm kind of addicted to Peloton lately. And I'm in the office by seven or seven 30. And Usually I start out the day by connecting with some of my leaders in the field around key projects. It could be this fall that I was having conversations with around the business planning that we were doing for advisors. And then later in the fall, who's connected to which coaching. And then I just, you know, I just got back from the leadership conference where we could have been planning that and so forth. The middle of the day is probably spent with the executives that sort of run technology, service delivery, compliance, operations, and us strategizing on how to make this even better for the advisor in some of the executive meetings and how we're using our resources to make it better. Usually in the late afternoon, I'm meeting with advisors or recruits that are considering us and going out to dinner with a couple of them to pick their brain on what they're seeing out there, what they're learning. You should also know, I take 120 flights a year. I'm on the road 200 nights a year. And, you know, I'm in every major zip code and I'm talking to advisors in either group setting or my field leaders to understand what's happening. I grew up in the field. My roots are in the field. I still work 75, 80 hours a week. 
I am focused on helping advisors to win and to grow in a very competitive environment. And it's hard out there and to get it right is hard. And I want to make it easier on them by understanding what's in their head and then delivering the right things because I got out there and I found out what was going on. And so I'm on the road to find out what's going on and bring it back to corporate office to implement it. Yeah. Well, I'd say Ameriprise should be very grateful for your dedication. And uh, it sounds like you've done wonderful things in your role as well. I can't thank you enough for your time and your wisdom and your insights and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Mindy. Appreciate being here. It's been great. It's a slog to change perception especially in an industry where the landscape has expanded so vastly in the last number of years. Bill Williams makes a great case for how Ameriprise has taken its brand and service offering upstream, and it's paying off with an enormous surge in recruiting success. I thank you for listening, and I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for valuable content. You'll also find a link to subscribe for regular updates to the series. And if you're not a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. These written pieces are an ideal way to stay informed about what's going on in the wealth management space without expending the energy that full-on exploration may require. Feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 908 879-1002 or these days on my cell at 973-476-8578 or always by email mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a colleague who might benefit from its content. And a special thanks to AdvisorHub.com for sharing this podcast with your viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence. Independence.